Instructional coaches, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Coming up next on Prep Hour. Hi, I'm Peter. I'm Marcus. And I'm Mark. And you're listening to Prep Hour. Hey everybody, welcome back to Prep Hour. Today we're going to be talking about instructional coaching and exactly what is an instructional coach. A lot more schools seem to be uh, hiring them or taking them from existing teachers and kind of throwing them into a role. Uh, so Mark, you've been an instructional coach for how many years were you in this? Two. Two years. Two. With the Chandler Unified School District. What is an instructional coach? Well, Every district's different and every state's different, but my role primarily was a liaison between the teachers and I'd say district leadership, uh, scope and sequence, pedagogy, professional development, those kinds of things. Um, working with new teachers, we had a new teacher committee, and frankly, that was that was the funnest part of what I did is having PDs with new teachers, work with instruction, pedagogy methodology and working out and just different. And then, and obviously we worked in different uh, subject areas. So their needs trying to tailor their needs was, I think one of the more challenging things, because you have to understand what they do as teachers. And then you, you know, your experience as a teacher, like, all right, how can we make this work? And that was, that was one of the more challenging things. But the one thing most new teachers struggle with was obviously just classroom management. So that was the easy part, but Every district's different. I think one of the more uh, one of the best frameworks I've heard for instructional coaches it was up. It was a Canadian school district, and what they what they required their district was well. Anyway, anybody who's interested in in, in um, being an instructional coach, it was a two year commitment, and then after that two years, you're recycled back at the school. So you're kind of paying it forward, and then they bring two new people in, and so it kind of it, and and that's kind of what I did, not intentionally. But after two years of being an instructional coach, I was really hungry to get back in the classroom because all these new things I had learned, because I, you know, I was 20 at that time, 23, 24 years in the classroom. I was kind of, I, I, I didn't want to go to PDs. I was tired of it. They either weren't very good or I just, I, my time was so important because of kids or whatever else. And then being able to go on the company clock or company time to go through all these new PDs and travel and stuff, it was, it was great. And so I, I was really revitalized to go back in the classroom. So that was kind of my story. And that's kind of what I'm an instructional coach, the the, the framework of one. Um, every district's different. I'm sure like Marcus, you're, you're going in that role. Uh, I'm sure your role is going to be similar to that to some degree, because I think you're working with new teachers as well, right? Yeah, that'll be part of my role. Okay. All right. And then, yeah, so that's, pri- that's primarily what I did. So I like the idea that they recycle, or the word you use, recycle them back into the uh, school because... I used to hear a lot from other teachers when we would bring in outside instructional. I don't know if I'd really call it instructional coaches. It was just outside PD. And of course, they would always try to get legitimacy or buy-in from the teachers because they would say, hey, I taught, you know, blah, blah, blah. And now I work for XYZ company. 
selling these materials that will help you become a better teacher. And the first word out of most teachers' mouth were sell out. So how do you get buy-in? I I would think that that idea from, you know, immediately, hey, I'm doing this for two years, but then I'm going back into the classroom. Or I think, Marcus, you're going to be still teaching. Yeah. And then you, so I I think that would help a lot with the buy-in. But how do you get buy-in as an instructional coach? That's a great question. Because when I taught PD um, in, I'll say in Chandler, I think that the professional, the instructional coaches, you know, they had a reputation for beating up the teachers. And the district did. They really did. And so I teach, you teach 12 hours of PD. It was required for 301 money and everything else. And I knew going in, I knew the teachers really didn't like the instructional coaches. They, there was a, there was that gap, that trust factor. Yeah. I'm looking you at know, Marcus because yeah. Marcus is like, wait, yeah. what? <laughs> well, and because and, even my own wife, even my own wife is like, are you sure you want to do this? And, and because she knew it because she works in that district. And I knew that going in, but I had enough confidence in myself to think, okay, I think I can win over these people. I'm not going to beat them up. That's the first thing. I go, the one thing I had is I had the 20, 25 years of experience, plus I had all the AP years behind me. That really mattered. And so the first, so I go, I'd have four sessions. And the biggest thing I try to do is just listen. You know, because the, the, why do they, you know, I, I, my favorite, when I, my phrase was when I go through the beginning of my instructional of my instruction was I go, you have two, you have two options here. I go, A, you're going to learn something or B, I'm going to confirm something. And third one was misery is an option as well. So, you know, and so that's how I'd introduce it with a little sense of humor. And then we'd listen to, you know, whatever I was teaching, if it was, you know, I'll say rigor relatives and relationships. Well, that was an easy one because we talk about the relationship angle first and teachers would share. And really all I was trying to do is create a collaborative environment. And at the end, they developed the trust in me because I allowed them to speak rather than me dictating things. And I think that was really important. If you frame it that way, I think that was really important because the thing is I've always liked about PD and I don't care who I'm working with. I always want to learn from other teachers. You know, that was the best part is learning from other teachers because we all know, man, there's different way to, there's so many different ways to skin a cat. And I, we certainly, I certainly haven't figured it out. That's for darn sure. Yeah. I always liked the, PDs, I've only been to a couple of them, but when they would do activities, they would actually bring a teacher in with students and they would do a mock, like a trial of it. And you just watch it as a teacher mm-hmm. and then you would have, you know, at, you know, then they'd leave and, and then you'd talk about what went well, what didn't go well, what did the teacher do, how did they interact, how did they do this? And that was a really good yeah. learning experience other than, you know, looking at a PowerPoint saying... You do know, it this way. Do it this way. Right. And this is, you know, right. here's the data. And here, you know, I was like, well, we all know we've all been through, <laughs> you know, curriculum courses and yeah. Right. So. No, I think the best PDs definitely are when the presenter gives teachers the opportunity to discuss. And, you know, we've talked about before some of the best professional development. I think, Mark, you say this, some of the best professional development you're ever going to get is, you know, just on your lunch break when you're just talking to somebody else down the hall. And so in those professional development sessions, if you can give people the opportunity to have those discussions, it's not being dictated down. Okay. I think that is truly the best kind of model for professional development. Which is a great segue to what you're doing. Cause Pete mentioned, I, I, you know, we're talking about the trust factor and I think Pete was alluding to, you know, building like any high school building has a, a wealth of knowledge. And I'm always curious why that was never, no matter where I taught, that was never utilized. No, they mm-hmm. would bring in outside exactly. people. And you're like, you've got people with master's degrees. Right. Do- right. Some of them doctorates. Right. Not only- In outside just, professions. Yeah. 
And it always, I'm like, why don't you just pay us to right. create your exactly. PD or have us run? To, I'm like, I'll give kids extra credit and come in. We'll, right. I'll run a, an activity. Right. Bring in teachers from the district and we'll we'll do an, a mock activity. I'll show them how it works. They like it. They can take notes and say, okay, I'm going to not do that, but do this. I, I never understood it. You, and, and they would, I mean, they spend a lot of money. I'm going to guess it's upwards on buying books for us and bringing in outside consultants and putting them in hotels and buying them dinner, giving them per diems because you know they're treated like rock stars when they come yep. in. I'm going to guess hundreds of thousands of dollars for these programs of learn, share, care, bear, pair, right? And then, <laughs> and you know, which is... <laughs> Care Bears is a registered trademark <laughs> of McGraw Hill. Um, I, I never understood. You know, we're we're learning. I'm like, I learned this my first semester of my you know pedagogy 101 at at uh, Acme College. It's yeah, I know this. I'm glad you spent all this extra money to teach me something that we already know. How about we find a cool activity or something that somebody is doing that works really well? Um, I learned one which was a. Uh, it was a constitution activity. So the students, you know, they become a, I won't get into it, but basically they run through a mock uh, constitutional convention and create, it's a week long process. And, and, and you get so in depth with what the constitution is and why certain things are the way that they are and why they're written the way that they're written. And you're not going to find that in, in a, in a book with generic, you know, Google images, printed in it but sold to us for $85 a piece right right sorry right okay well the other thing too when you when you utilize your teachers from your campus not only is it more uh, cost effective but that buy-in mark was just talking about or you both were talking about the these are people that people know and trust so you know and if it's a, a strong person from each department then that department's a lot more willing typically to go along with that professional development because they already trust that person. You know, they know that they know their crap. And, you know, we we all have things that we're good at and things we're not good at in the classroom. And so if you can pull people from, you know, the various departments around your school, then you're going to you're going to compensate for that. So, I think it, it's an important factor. It is, but you have to give them. So, I like what they're doing with you. They're giving yeah. you free time to do that or, you know, saying I, I don't know how many courses would you be teaching. It's looking like one or two. Okay, so Marcus, uh kind of bury the lead here so you're making that that's you're you're segueing from a you're still going to teach right how many classes you said two two or three it, it's looking like two yeah okay and then professional code or coach three hours right yeah the rest of the day so that'll okay. be four about four or five hours yeah okay so my question to you is all right so what what prompted you to go um the conversation we were just having before we kind of you know started recording which is we really are legitimately kind of in crisis mode in in education and i you know when the our district announced that they were going to make this move where they're going to hire an instructional coach full-time at every school i i really think this is kind of the missing piece you know we we talk about professional development we all know how it goes here's your professional development we'll see you in three months it always kind of sucks yeah i mean let's be honest yeah it's it's kind of a waste we go do it because we know there's money tied to it or something right yeah well and and it's it's not consistent and and yeah you know, and like we know, like just like when we teach our students or when we coach somebody in a sport, you can't practice once or learn something once and then, you know, not touch it for three months. And then it's and, and we assume that teachers know how to take skills that they learn in a PD and actually apply it to their content area. And why are we assuming that they're not they're, 
they have a billion things to do. So I, you know, this opportunity to really help people, um, not tell people how to, how to teach, but, um, really help people find the space and the time and, and, um, help them reflect on how do you actually implement what you just learned at a PD, you know, each week that that's really exciting to me because I think that's kind of the missing piece is that daily or weekly support because administrators have 50 billion things to do. They can't really come in and hold your hand and walk you through things, especially new teachers. They need more support than they're getting. And so that's, that's really for me, why, why I kind of jumped at this, at this uh, opportunity. Okay. I'm going to ask this question. If you don't want to answer it, go ahead. Yeah. But okay. So the question I'm going to ask is, cause it goes back to the conversation you and I had a little bit. So what role are they going to give you? Because as a coach, are they going to allow you like, is there going to be, is there a certain confidence that you're going to have with those, with those teachers? Essentially you're their confidant, you know, mm-hmm. in this, in the, are you going to have, so what, so that's what I'm trying to ask is have they really defined what you're going to do kind of going with that going forward? Or are you going to be able to create that role? Yeah. So we, because of how our district is doing this, it's, it's, you're going to be partnering with your administration, but really a lot of the directives on how we're going to do um, coaching is coming from district. So this is going to be run um, through the PD department, through the department that Melinda is going to be running now. And um, you'll, you'll just partner with your administration. And so I've, I mean, I made it very clear in my interview, both interviews that I went through that I'm not an evaluator. I'm, I'm not an administrator. You know, I'm here to support teachers. So I, I will not be going to, to administration and saying, this person sucks at this. That, that's just not going to happen. Because the minute you do that, it breaks down trust. And so it doesn't work. You know, why, why would anybody want somebody in their, in their classroom that's basically just the Gestapo, you know what I mean? And that, that it doesn't work. So, and I don't think that's Gilbert's approach. Um, Gilbert wants to be truly, you are separate from the evaluation process as the instructional coach. You're just there to help teachers improve. That's it. And so that's, you know, that's what I intend to do. So, well, and you being on campus and the other coaches, what that's also going to do is, is hopefully eliminate the mass exodus of teachers as well as you're, cause you're going to make them feel connected. Right. And that's part of it as well. I'm guessing too. Right. That's the goal. And, and, um, I, I'm lucky our school is so large that they actually hired two of us at our school. Oh, um, so all the other schools are getting one, but there's gonna be two of us. So I have somebody to work with, which is kind of nice. And we have very different skill sets and very different, uh, histories and education. So that's nice as well. But yeah, I think that, Fucking a! What did you just ask me? I just fucking. Uh, I was at, so so. <laughs> are you gonna be a, a snitch? <laughs> or Snitches get stitches. <laughs> no, you're basically that you're the, um, the 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 biggest issue out there was you know obviously you're what you hope to alleviate or the district hope to alleviate is this mass exodus of oh. teachers. Oh yeah, absolutely, and it yeah, and and where we're seeing a lot of the mass exodus, at least at our school, is the first you know three to five years. Those are the teachers that are really leaving in droves. And I do, I do anticipate part of my role will be to address uh, retention. And we're going to do that by trying to help teachers feel more competent with their management, help them feel more competent with their, with their instruction. And we don't want to overload people. You know, this, this really should be a support, you know, a line that in one in my first training that they talked about was coaching is something that, you know, people should do with you, not something that should be done to them. You know, mm-hmm. and um, and and I hope that we can really kind of get that across to people that this isn't a here's what you're doing wrong, fix it kind of a thing. This, this really is how can I help you? What are your goals for your student? Our our model is going to be a student centered model. So, and I know people get 
wacky about that that top that uh, term. But when the, and I even did at first, but when they describe what they mean in our program, really it means let's look at what are your goals because I'm not an econ teacher. So Peter, what are your goals for your students? Okay, if those are your goals, what are we going to do to get them there? And then how are we going to know that we got them there? And so you know we'll we'll look at the everyone's going to cringe. We'll look at the student data, but that doesn't necessarily mean you know, just numbers, there's qualitative data as well, you know, it's a billion ways to look at data, but we'll look at the outcomes. And then how can I help you adjust? Here's some instructional strategies that, you know, I've seen or that I've been trained in, and maybe you can try one or two. And then we'll just see how it goes. You know, it's not a, here's how you need to freaking fix your class, you know, how can I help you? Are there some evaluation techniques? I don't know of any, maybe you guys do, of the qualitative stuff. So, Maybe the quantitative thing, like the learning experience, and you talked about classroom management, is there some way to figure out, hey, we know that we're having, maybe there's a trust or respect issue in the class that students are having, you know, I mean, are you going to be addressing those types of things as well? And how are you going to have those kind of conversations with, I mean, when you, when you tell a teacher, I think your students aren't dumb. I think they don't respect you or they don't. You know, you're getting all of this extra work put on you from behavior problems because of this, that, or the other thing. How do you address that with a teacher? Because it's not always going to be kumbaya. Hey, no. let's sit down and put our heads together and think of better teaching strategies. I mean, some of it. Are you are you going to have those kind of questions with teachers? And how is that going to go? Should I not ask this question? That's okay. <laughs> I think I am going to be um, addressing those things, or I know I am. And, um, you know, obviously we'll see how it goes when we get there. But my intention with some of those more difficult conversations, um, maybe teachers who are a little bit more, um, you know, hesitant to take feedback um, or don't recognize that part of the problem is their relationships with their students. I think that getting people out of their classrooms to go observe other teachers is going to be critical um, so they can maybe see because maybe they've never even seen good instruction. Maybe they've never even seen what a good student-teacher relationship looks like. The other part of our, the model we're using is going to be, um, I'll be co-teaching with people. So I'll actually, like, part of the process will be, hey, let me, let's plan a lesson together. Or, you know, maybe I'll even just model the whole lesson. And you can kind of see maybe the difference or hopefully it freaking goes well. But you know what I mean? Like, maybe they can start to see for themselves some other things. It's not just me saying your relationships with your students suck. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't know, Mark, if you have any wisdom. Yeah, you know, it, it was funny because I, I wrote it down. And one of the, the best things I did in Chandler was, and I'd highly recommend it for you, Marcus, and you're, since you're working on your national board, K-12 through Center, mm-hmm. they have cognitive coaching. Mm-hmm. And I would really go after that because it was, it, was re- it was extremely beneficial because of what Pete just mentioned. You have that teacher who... Because teaching's personal anyway, mm-hmm. and for a young teacher, it's even more personal because the, the sense of inadequacy is always there. And what it does, it it takes you off. It takes the coach out of the situation and allows them. There's some metacognition by the the or the uh, teacher a little bit, and you just ask. Like, so what did you think? And then they start talking about it, and they know they'll typically know. And, and then, like if Pete said, well, if the teacher goes, well, they were kind of loud. She goes, well, why did you think they were loud? Right. And they kind of, they, 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 it all comes out and then you can kind of hone in on those things. Well, how do we, how do we get them to respect you? And then they kind of brainstorm at the end of how to go through this process. And at the end, you kind of wrap it up and say, okay, so what are these things that we're going to work on? And it was, it, like I say, it was pretty lengthy. I think we went 
I think it lasted about a semester, but you'd spend a full day down there. So it was like four sessions that full day. And it was, it was outstanding. It was really good. I learned a lot about it. And it's the hardest thing to do sometimes as, as I felt as a coach was let the teacher talk, let the person talk and kind of let them self-diagnose their situation. Then we go, okay, here's how we're going to prove it. Because as soon as they do that, there's buy-in. Well, yeah, I mean, on their end. Well, that, and that's the thing is like, it's again, it's that idea of coaching shouldn't happen to them, right? They, they should be going through the process with you. And I talked about with um, my supervisor, my background in AVID, and this might not seem like it ties in, but I spent four years as an AVID tutor. And so the whole process there is Socratic. I don't know how to teach you calculus, but you can actually figure out your own problem if we address this correctly, right? If I ask the right questions, if I facilitate the right reflection process, you can actually come to a better understanding yourself of whatever it is you're trying to learn. And I think it's the same. And you know, you're talking about metacognition and, um, and that method of coaching. If you can really get really, really good at facilitating reflection, like you said, it, people are going to buy in and it, it, people are actually going to learn, um, more deeply and it's going to la- it's going to stay with them better than if you just tell them how to improve. So uh, 100% I agree with you. So do you guys have any resources that you recommend for people who want to become an um, academic coach or instructional coach? I, I, I don't personally. I mean, I think like, I, and I'll speak for Marcus, not Mark. Well, I'll let Marcus speak for himself, but for me, it wasn't a, I, I like I said, the, the K through 12 center was really good. Um, that was a really good opportunity. I think you'll run into you'll run into professional developments. You'll be given professional developments by your building leadership. And I think that's one of the things I'd recommend to you, Marcus, is or anybody who's willing to go into coaching is start looking into that. Cause that there's there's a there's plenty of information out there for whatever you're trying to tailor your, you know, your coaching to. But I think you, you know, there's such a great point about you you know, being an avid tutor for all those years, you have that that practice of working with students and listening and trying to, you know, let them self-diagnose their own problems, even though you're not a calculus teacher. And that's a really good point. So I think, you know, yeah. So I think those things will run into it, but it's been a few years. So I I don't have any research on the top of my head other than, like I said, what I, my experience with the K-12 Center, because that was the most impactful professional development that I experienced as a coach. I would say one of the reasons why I felt comfortable going for this position is because I just la- I just spent the last year, year and a half going through coaching myself, like being coached by, um, it's called Better Lessons. It's a you know educational organization and they were coaching me through some things about equity and social emotional learning, things like that. And it's been a fantastic experience. And so, I mean, if you've never gone through it, you know, you don't know what it looks like. So I, I recommend going through it um, yourself. And then, you know, there's going to be training that your district's going to give you, I hope. If your district isn't providing you training, then you probably don't want to take the job. But And we have a whole framework that we're going to be working around in, in my district. And then the only thing that I'm going to say, and this is kind of getting ahead of myself because I haven't started the job yet, but um, I'm trying to really keep one of my personal mottos with addressing challenges because this job's all about looking at, you know, where we can improve. I choose to see challenges not as obstacles, but as opportunities. And so I think that, you know, if you're going to get into coaching, you, you can't come in with a, I'm going to tell everybody how to do their job mentality that that doesn't work. We know that that doesn't work. Um, so just understanding that you're, you're a support system and that this is an opportunity for you to help your, your colleagues in, in your campus. And I think if you keep that frame of mind, I hope <laughs> it'll go well. 
All right. Well, that's been another episode of Prep Hour. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at, at Prep Hour Podcast. We'll see y'all next time. Until then, stay curious. <laughs>